Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Big Facts No Cap. The only podcast is number one with people rooting for the Eagles and people whose favorite character in Lord of the Rings is Smeagol. Alternatively, welcome to everybody else who's a big fan of the Chiefs and that one character from Charlie Brown who says, good grief. As always, I'm here with Paul. Let's get Big Facts and let's get no capping. I know you took this out, so I don't know if I can say this, but you know how you criticized Elizabeth Warren for getting a dog clearly for, for like, <laughs> aesthetic reasons? I'm surprised Binging with Babish hasn't gotten a dog to feed on camera just to, like, up his brand and, like, up subscriptions. It really works for a certain type of person. People it love that. It seems like something that he would do, like, with how soulless and, like, yeah. void of any, like, actual, like, yeah, personality there is in his stuff. It would really work for his audience. I think the Babish Like, literally, audience, he would have a poll on Twitter and be like, if I got a dog, what breed would you like best? Like, he would focus group it and everything. <laughs> I really did like Babish at one point, I think, because I liked the concept of doing food from TV shows and movies but yeah wow it's just like over time i can't even like stand watching his videos anymore there's something i guess like you said so soulless about it like he he seems thrilled to sell out and become a mega corporation (laughs) yeah is he my celeb enemy is he a big enough celebrity should i pick someone more like jonah hill yeah i don't think i dislike him as much as you do jonah hill's definitely my celeb enemy yeah i think you're a lover not a hater adrian don't force yourself to have a celeb enemy I mean, that's that's the good advice about having a celeb enemy is don't force it. It'll come. <laughs> I think my celeb enemy is Harvey Weinstein. Ooh, that's a good one. Me too, actually. We do not get along. Hashtag me too, Paul says. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the type of guy who's like, look, the sexual assault stuff, really bad, hate it. But even if you set that aside, just never liked Harvey Weinstein. Just never not, liked the guy. Never my, just not my type of guy. He just rubbed me the wrong way. His personality or something. I don't know. And then you bring the sexual assault stuff on top of it. And it's like, ay, ay, ay. That's a spicy meatball. Get out of here. Worst guy ever. I do do that sometimes. There are a couple of things where like, I think I've talked about it with Harry Potter and then certain people that I knew where I was like, just saying, I didn't like them before the other stuff happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's kind of what I was referencing, but I feel like we do it with stuff with like just slightly lower stakes. <laughs> if you want oh yeah, to. way lower stakes. <laughs> oh my god. Um, if you had the opportunity to host a radio show, would you change your schedule to waking up at like 4am every day? Yeah. I mean, I-, I guess it depends on like how prestigious the radio show themed i guess not if it was like some local thing that nobody listens to it's you and burt kreischer oh hell yeah okay although i think it'd be hard to convince him to wake up that early Mm. no he just stays up oh you're right it's called like morning boy and late boy or something and the idea is that he's drunk morning boy and late boy (laughs) morning boy and late boy (laughs) i can hear it now just the shock talk radio in the morning in the morning in the morning Bert's got his vodka shot, and I have my coffee. That's like juxtaposition we bring to the episode. Mm-hmm. I come in for uh, a segment every time called Bert's Bees, where <laughs> I'd put on a beekeeping suit with Bert. We do some beekeeping together. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a taped podcast. This segment's taped. Oh, okay. 
Talking about mm-hmm. taping a podcast, our boy, uh, our boy Philip is taping a podcast right now. Oh, that's third seggy. That's third seggy. All right, we won't bring it in too early. We haven't even gotten into media roundup yet. Why are you going into the theme? Media roundup. I don't have one this week. I've got one real one and one fake one. <laughs> On the behest of uh, one Mr. Uh, Toonrific Tariq, I started watching Son of Zorn. I like it. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Jason Sudeikis plays a uh, animated He-Man style character who goes back to the real world to take care of his son uh, with his uh, ex-wife. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's really funny because it's like very much a time capsule of comedy. Like Sam Richardson's in the first episode, Bobby Lee's in some episodes, Eugene Cordero. Oh, Bobby Lee is still doing his thing. Don't put that on his name. No, I think all these people are still doing things. So is Sam Richardson. I'm saying like, it's like, you can tell it's like, this is early days of their career where they're trying to get something. And so getting like a two minute role on like a network sitcom was like a big deal. Same thing for like Ify Nwadwe. Um, and the girl from uh, Maya Erskine, the girl who plays the other one in uh, Pen15, or the main one, depending on your perspective. <laughs> I still I don't know why I assumed you would show. assume that the white one was the main one and that you'd assume the, <laughs> the other one was the other one. I've, I've heard good things about Pen15. I think I tried to start it, didn't like it, but a lot of people say it really picks up and it's a great show, so I need to give it another shot. Charlie recommended it to me, like, I guess at this point, like four years ago, and I just never really watched it, but... I mean, I, I don't doubt it. Um, and then also, in for established people, Tim Meadows plays the uh, stepfather, and Tim Meadows is just so fucking hilarious, man. Um, so, yeah, it's a fun watch. Oh, I was just going to say, it's one season, so it's very low commitment to watch 13 episodes. Although, I guess if you're one of those people that uh, doesn't like watching something where you know there's never going to be a conclusion to it, but I, I fundamentally don't resonate with that kind of uh, concern. Paul, we've talked about this over the last few weeks, about how you think I'm different as a teacher than you thought I would be. If, if you were a student, would you take my class? No. Damn. At Clemson, we had this really nice thing. You don't let people of color teach. <laughs> we had this really fun thing where every professor and class they taught and their pass average and grade distribution was released. So you could literally be like last semester how many people got an A in this professor teaching, like, you know, engineering, whatever. I would pick classes not based on, like, what time I could fit them into my schedule, where, like, a lot of people were like, one for me. I don't want to go to, you know, campus and have to go back home, then go back to campus. Like, I don't want to put a big break in between, or I want to be mm-hmm. able to do them later in the day, not, like, early in the morning or whatever. I kind of just, like, was like, you know what, I'm giving up on all that. I'm just going for the person who gives out the highest percentage of A's to make it as easy as possible on me. Mm. And I think that really served me well as a way of picking what classes I took. Okay, getting up for those 8 a.m.s to get that easy A? Yeah, I'd do like an 8 a.m., then have like a three-hour break, and then have like another class and a three-hour break, and then another class. Mm. Um, So a lot of time... That I guess I could have been home, I'd just be like in the library or trying to kill time on campus. But I think it really overall worked out yeah, for me. It's good homework time. Yeah. Although I know you don't do homework. That was more a high school thing. You do it in, you did it in college? Yeah, you kind of had to in engineering. You had projects. Mm. You were just doing it like right before you had to turn in? My project? Really, really quickly try to get your robot to work? <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know that's how you accidentally create an AI that destroys the world. Mm. You know, that's how you create a consciousness that can feel pain. That's all it can do? Yeah, that's all it can do. It's an artificial intelligence. All it can do is feel pain. (laughs) (laughs) What a cruel god Paul would be.
I wouldn't be doing it on purpose. I'd be rushing. It's not my fault. I have to turn it in. Mm. What are we talking about? Oh, if you would take me as a professor. No. Well, first wow. off, you're a TA. Let's make that clear. I'll be a professor in the summer. I guess it depends on how many A's you're going to be given out. That's not something I think about in the beginning. I don't have a, I don't go like, look to your left, look to your right. <laughs> Only one of you is getting an A. <laughs> but that's what I mean. After your first couple semesters, then there will be a distribution on that. And it'll be, a, 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 I guess, depending on the college. I don't know if they all have to release that info. But that's how yeah, I would have decided. You'd have to go to my Rate My Professor. Yeah, but rate, the chili pepper. rate My Professor is stupid. I don't know. I never got the sense. I mean, it's like that. every rating site, right? It's like Yelp. It's the people who are the angriest about it are the most likely to go yeah. on there and say something. I never really went on there. I felt like the grade distribution told me a lot more. Mm. Like you said, it is very funny when you would like look at Ray, my professor, and there'd be one person who's like, they are the most disgusting, horrible human being I've ever had the bad grace of coming in mm. contact with. Frankly, the Nuremberg trial wouldn't be enough for these people. Damn. You know what's interesting about Ray, my professor, is that, like I just said, like I'm going to be an instructor of record, I think, this summer. Uh, and some of my friends in grad school have also done that. So they're on Rate My Professor. So like there are friends of mine who are PhD students who I know and have known for like years now. And I get to go see their like one or two reviews that they get from students. And I'm like, mm, she would be like that now that I think about it. <laughs> Even though I'm sure they're like way disproportionately re- representing them as bad. I'm sure they're actually great professors. I hope you're a fun, kooky professor. I hope you're the one who's like... We're going to go outside to learn today. It's such a nice day. Let's go outside for Everybody class. turn to page six in your textbook. Now throw it in the trash. <laughs> Wait, the whole textbook? Why'd you make them turn to <laughs> yeah. page six first? <laughs> now pick it up out of the trash. This is a good lesson on not following directions. Think for yourselves. Yeah, now let's go outside. <laughs> it's a nice day. Uh, do we get into the theme? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Creative endeavors. I was going to use this for the intro, but I decided against it to make it more Super Bowl themed. People who use the word creatives. Oh, yeah. It feels like a businessy term for... Really? Yeah, it feels like that's what you say if you're like working at Disney and you're like a producer or somebody who like... Uh, that's if you're an Imagineer. If, if you're like an executive at like Marvel or Disney and you're like, oh, well, we'll just get one of the creatives to, you know, uh, to add more jokes to the Ooh. script. We'll just get a creative to fix up that part. Somebody's like, are we okay with this character being white? Should we make him like maybe a little Asian or something? We we really need to hit that demo. Yeah, we'll get one of the creatives to take care of that. The one-fourth Japanese crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Justin can see himself on screen. That's where... You hear the word creative. It's like business types talking about like, yeah, yeah, we get, we can get a creative to take mm. care of that. You know, I think that's valid. I think that also shows our different relative experiences again. Cause for me, I associate it with people like Mike Berbiglia, who when he talks about other standups will talk about creatives. And it just sounds like the most pretentious way of being like, Oh, we're not just standups. We're creatives. Like we're <laughs> like, we create art. Like, you know, there's nothing in the universe and we make things in the universe, you know? Uh, to where I just, like, associate it with, like, pompous people, like, and, you know, I love Mike Birbiglia. I think we've said before, like, of the people who are like him and talk about things the way he does, like, at least he can back it up with good comedy. Um, but, yeah, to me, I associate it with that, like, that ilk of people where it's just, like, annoying, pompous, pretentious, like, yeah, the field of creatives that I work with. Yeah, I think you're right. It would be weird to hear a comedian. It would be weird to hear a comedian use the phrase creative. We live in a pretty irony-poisoned world. I think we want our artists to have some sort of, like, self-awareness or 
I don't know. I guess I don't really know what point I'm trying to make, but we don't want our artists to be too confident anymore. Yeah. But is that on us? Maybe they are just a better breed of people. Yeah, that's true. No, I think it's been too democratized. Like, anybody can make most things. Like, maybe film is it's too accessible like there's like all the video editing software there's free versions of it and everybody has a pretty good camera Mm -hmm. on their phone yeah there's a ton of cgi and stuff you can't recreate easily with like lighting departments and cgi departments but i don't know nobody takes it too well when somebody is too smug nowadays because it's just like you see how the sausage gets made a little too much you kind of know what goes into it Mm. and it's like at the end of the day i don't know it's been too demystified for people to feel like these people are gods above us creatives are a different class of people it just feels like no it's just somebody who kind of got into that it seems like james cameron gets that still yeah well i mean come on though yeah i think i was telling you about how funny i thought it was that rami youssef on uh mike no on pete holmes's podcast talking about avatar 2 did you listen to that no, segment? i need to he was he's talking about it and he's like yeah i bought a ticket to see avatar 2 i was like it felt like it was like a crowdsource thing like it was in my obligation to buy a ticket to that thing and make sure it did okay because it was like this is proof that we could still do stuff like this like like i just have to buy a ticket and support it like it doesn't matter whether or not i enjoy it that kind of felt true it felt like such a cultural moment i see what he means i kind of agree with that it did feel like all of society was like we're going to watch this movie, and we're going to all say it was pretty good to great, at least. <laughs> Nobody's going to yeah. say it's worse than a pretty good movie. <laughs> um, I feel like the thing you were saying, though, uh, about democratization... Also, I don't know, I, I've been on this weird um, thing about when I talk to people about their jobs, asking them if there's a LeBron James of their job. Because <laughs> um, I just met someone's significant other the other day, where she's a pilot, and I asked her, I was like, is there someone in the piloting community that like is the LeBron James of piloting, or is it like one of those jobs where everyone has the skill set and you just do the job. And she was like, yeah, no, I can't think of anybody that's like a superstar in our field or something like that. And she was like, is that is there a thing like that for science? And we're like, yeah, of course there is, yeah. And then same thing with someone who I was uh, looking at their portfolio. What about that guy for, who uh, landed the plane in the Hudson? You're telling me he's not the LeBron James? We literally brought that up. Yeah, we were talking about Sully. <laughs> yeah, if Sully is not the LeBron James of flying? Come on now. Apparently not, not according to this lady. Okay. Sounds like somebody's salty that they're not a Sully. I mean, to be fair, she did have a whole thing about how piloting is full of white men. So maybe that was the issue. Um, but then, yeah, and then a, a friend of mine who was uh, do, showing me his portfolio of web design stuff. And I was like, is there a web designer who's like the LeBron James of web design? And he was like, yeah, totally. They can do things where like the mouse to like the puzzle to get through to the next part of the web page is like a little puzzle. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a thing that sounds good. That sounds really <laughs> annoying. I don't really understand. Like very rarely do I go to a website and I'm like, damn, that is a really well designed website. Well, the problem with that is talking about, like, corporations being like, oh, we'll get a creative to do something or whatever, is websites are in that weird in-between point where, like, sure, some creative people get into web design, but it's really, like, Mm. a pretty corporate art. And Oh, I thought you were going to say that it needed to be standardized and, like, you're not supposed to push the boundaries when you're making a website. No, I mean, it's just, like, it's what makes a good website is so dictated by trends, like... I mean, mm. I I haven't kept up with it that much, but, like, for a while there, there was the uh, infinite scroll thing with the mm-hmm. with the elements coming in, popping in as you scrolled was yeah, such yeah, a big yeah. trend. And I guess that's what- Is pe- that so 2000 late? I didn't know that. I guess that's what people consider, like, good web design, but it's like, 
I don't know. It's like one of those things where the technology becomes more available and it becomes really easy to make something like that. And then it goes out yeah. of style because that just becomes like a presetting. Yeah. That just becomes like a thing you can download from Squarespace or whatever. And so then people who like are really talented with CSS animation start wanting to do something else. But you do kind of actually have to follow the trends because if you're doing it, you're probably doing it for a job and you know somebody's telling you how to make it look and you want it to be a design that's like in style or on trend it almost strikes me as like one of those things like in bojack horseman where like the most creative boundary pushing web designer ends up making a website that's just a baked cracker that you eat (laughs) like that's the website (laughs) like i feel like that's where it ends up is like (laughs) it just becomes something absurd well that's what i'm saying i don't think there is a boundary pushing creative web designer there's like People who probably make or I think it's all like decisions you make and those trends wax and wane with the decision mm. makers of how they want the website to look. At this point, we can probably make any design. I don't think the technology is limiting us on what a website looks like. Damn. Okay. Um, speaking of Wayne, uh, Phil just texted us back saying that he appreciates the voicemail that we left him for his first episode and he's going to put it in. Oh, is he really going to put it in? Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Phil. Anyways, uh, creative endeavors. Any other things about creatives or creative endeavors? Or yeah, what do you do other than uh, other than this podcast, Adrian? You produce. Mm-hmm. You rap a little. Uh, nah, not really. You do stand up. Yeah, I do some comedy. I do some hip hop production, which I should get back on. It is fun. What else? That's creative. You know, sometimes I like to do a little ditty when I get out of the shower, a little dance. Oh, you consider that like a creative dance? <laughs> see? See, Paul likes it. <laughs> that is a pretty good dance. I did like that. I consider my cooking to be creative sometimes. Sometimes it's really, you know, one of those things where things are born out of necessity. Ooh, yeah. Not like stoner cooking, but like, you know, adult cooking out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I invented- It's not like I take a Pop-Tart and I take some Pop Rocks and I'm like, they both have Pop in them, so you put them together, I'll put some soda on, I'll put some Pop on them, you got a dish. <laughs> that sounds so disgusting to make a Pop-Tart soggy with soda and then eat it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying I don't do. Okay, okay. What you do is, like, the more upscale, like, what if we could make this gourmet and you, like, shave the Pop-Tart into really thin strands. Mm-hmm. I do what every person who's cheating on Chop does, which is, I don't know how to use this one ingredient, so I'm gonna make it into a crumble that I put on top of the dish. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a trope that they, like, talk about it in their interviews, where they're like, I wanted to make it a crumble, but I know that's a cop-out. <laughs> no, what I do is I dehydrate the Pop-Tart and make it into a dust. Ooh, Pop-Tart dust. Don't breathe this stuff in, folks. Oh, no, I serve it with one of those silly straws where you snort it straight in. <laughs> it's like a little aperitif. Oh, this is a commentary on, on how we're all addicted to sugar. Yeah. Bam, now it's you smart. It. Now it's a message. That's what makes it creative, you know? Sometimes cooking is just sustenance, and sometimes cooking is about... You, you watch the menu, you get it. <laughs> I get it. Wait, wasn't the message of that movie that that's all stupid and you should be making burgers and fries? That's not what I got from it. Oh, you got that it was all cool, cool guy stuff. What I learned is that, that if I become a high-level chef... Who's good enough to make it to the top? One day, Anya Taylor Joy will be very close to me and eat my food. I was gonna say she doesn't end up with the chef, so I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> no, that's all I want. <laughs> the dream is just to get to see Anya Taylor Joy. Hmm. I want to know if her eyes are that big in person. No, uh, famously, she makes all the directors put magnifying glasses right next to the camera where her eyes are gonna be. 
You know when you see certain celebrities and they're, you're always like, you're taller or shorter than I thought in person. Annie Taylor-Joy, I'd be like, your eyes are bigger than I thought they'd be in person. <laughs> you the mean, camera really loses 10 pounds of your eyes. You meet Anya Taylor-Joy and it's really just a doe in a human costume. <laughs> She's wearing googly eyes over her eyes. Okay. And I get emotional because I start thinking about everywhere, everywhere, everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> you start getting emotional because you keep thinking about how bad that movie was and you're like, damn, it could have been good. It's playing at the varsity again. I don't know why. Are you gonna go see it? it. <laughs> All right, this time, time Adrian. By- I told you that I was supposed wait, to wait, wait. Can lobsters. I give you a pro tip? When you're at the yeah. varsity, this time pay really close attention to how that movie is shit. So when you leave, you can see how it's not that good a movie. God, Paul just really hates Asian cinema. It actually is a fine movie. I just didn't get why people were saying it's the best thing they've ever seen. I was, it's it's a passably good movie. Mm, name five movies that are better than it. Oh boy, um, The Godfather? The Godfather 2? You're lucky there aren't five Godfathers. <laughs> or unlucky. <laughs> unlucky. Shrek 1, Shrek 2, and uh, arguably Shrek 3. It's Shrek the 3rd, you dumbass. <laughs> Finding Nemo. Actually, Finding Nemo is probably worse than everything everywhere all at once. Um... This is like one of those jokes from middle school where somebody was like, say seven things that aren't Jackie Chan, and all of a sudden you can't think of seven things. There's so many movies I like more than that. I'm like, what are fucking movies? <laughs> oh, last night I watched the uh, Media Roundup, but also my fifth movie that's better than Everything Everywhere you All had at your Once chance. is The Color of Muddy. Tom Cruise rocks in that movie. It is so good. Is that the one where he has the white shirt and the undies on and he goes, bam, 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 like slides across the floor? Sadly, no. It's the one where he's... uh. Where he has a uh, pool cue the whole time, and he's doing sick moves with it. Action film? No, he he he's pl- he plays like a uh, professional pool player. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Paul Newman is his older mentor, teaching him how to be a hustler and pool player. I'm about to say, so it's about him sharking people a little bit, but it's like I don't know. It's kind of like a mentor mentee sort of film, like a overcoming oh, it's your a master. Whiplash. Yeah. I guess Whiplash isn't about overcoming J.K. Simmons. It kind of is. A lot le- the Paul Newman's character is a lot less annoying than J.K. Simmons or evil than J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons? <laughs> than my favorite serial <laughs> mascot, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> you just did a Dora Lee right there. That was egregious. The J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, he's Count Dracula's cousin. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> You know the Rasta cinnamon stick for Apple Jacks? Here I come, I am cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, cinnamon. Mm-hmm. He's his brother. <laughs> um, I forgot what we were talking about besides J.K. Cinnamons. <laughs> uh, the menu, which got us talking about everything everywhere all at once, which got us talking about... Oh, which had me think about something, but now I forgot it. She... Oh, I was supposed to watch The Lobster this weekend, but it got sold out. Not The Lobster. I know. I was like, I guess I'll take the crab instead. Okay, Adrian, we know you're allergic to shellfish. Let's not do this. I can eat crab. Let's not make light of your disability. I can eat crab. Are you getting having crabs confused with being able to eat them? Creative stuff. I guess other than this podcast. Oh, yeah, I didn't even ask you what your creative things were. I don't know. I I, have never released anything else creative. Yeah, I guess embroidery and drawing. Um, but none of that yeah, I've ever released. Drawings. I've worked on a couple logos, only one of them ever made it into uh, actually being used by the organization. 
Phil's logo? Oh, no, I guess two logos. All right, cool. So then, yeah, let's get into an article. Do you want to do uh, first or second? Uh, I will go second. All right. So this is from The Dip. Uh, it is a substack, I think. Yes. Uh, it's called Very Serious, an advice column by Kelly Conaboy. Based on the name, I think I've brought her in before, but maybe not. Kelly Conaboy is writing an advice column for Dip readers. It's going to be very serious. So serious, in fact, that we named it Very Serious, an advice column by Kelly Conaboy. Uh, email her if you want to have her uh, answer your questions. She does put most of them behind a paywall, though, so be wary about that. <laughs> you email her a question and then you can't even read the answer without paying? Help, I'm stuck in a well. <laughs> <laughs> Help, I can't afford rent this month. What do I need to do? <laughs> uh, Dear Kelly, my 20-something cousin is getting married this year, and while dancing at weddings is one of my favorite things, I fear every song will require a full choreographed TikTok dance that I do not know. Do I try to learn the most popular dances in preparation, or do I just do my own thing and risk looking like a like a post-Gen Z fool? From Michelle. Are TikTok dances that ubiquitously known that she thinks most people are gonna know them? Well, if they play the songs that are associated with them. You think so? I, I feel- Would like you just dance on- Okay, if someone played the Cupid Shuffle, would you just do your own dance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm saying TikTok songs are not that ubiquitous. They're not that- broadly i mean they're making it to like number one on the charts based on being big on tiktok i feel like that's how the song blows up but is the dance that universally i mean that's how it blows up on tiktok how young is the audience how young is the guest list do i have to explain this to you the way it works is one young black person makes a dance and then a, a an attractive skinny white woman does the dance and makes millions of dollars off of doing it on tiktok and then everybody does it Hmm. Uh, but everybody does it, or does just people under the age of 24? Sorry, anyone who matters does it. Ooh, that is true. Young people are making all our culture. Mm-hmm. Wait, so is this person also afraid if they invite somebody over for a dinner party that they're going to come in and they're going to be like, wait, you didn't make the spaghetti on your island by just pouring the sauce on the table and then the spaghetti right on top and then pouring a bunch of cheese out of a bag on top of all of that? I don't know why. I don't know when we became... An advice column podcast where we attack the question asker instead of just taking Episode them at face value. <laughs> I thought the motto was first do no harm and second <laughs> try and help the advice you're right, the you're question right. asker. Let me put my let me put my left hand on the Bible and read the podcaster's motto. Do you know any TikTok dances? Um I know some of the dances from Fortnite. I know the dance you're supposed to do is uh I got high high hopes for a living. You know the Pete Buttigieg dance. I know the Pete Buttigieg <laughs> You've done that for me before. If that comes on, you know what you're doing. Yeah, if that comes on, I'm, I'm going to be out there on that dance floor. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like the main reason I know TikTok dances and uh, Fortnite dances is because of soccer players. Because a lot of times when you do a little celebration, they'll do like a little thing and I'll be like, I wonder what that's from. And someone in the comments will be like, oh, that's a, that's a Fortnite dance or that's a TikTok dance. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot when Fortnite dances were big. Although I know for a fact that you know one of the Fortnite dances because they took it from Turk and Scrubs. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The one that he does from uh, his uh, what is it? Uh, imaginary band? What do you call it? Air band? Yeah, his audition to be in uh, the mm-hmm. janitor's band. Their air band. Yeah. What was I going to say? Bo, do you dance at weddings? Uh, sometimes it depends on how drunk I am. I'm not good at it. I'm famously a bad dancer. I, my dancing's about as bad as my singing, where people can't tell if it's ironic. 
or not. Yeah, Moss is not a good dancer, too. Bad dancer club, bro. Come on now. Uh, but the last party I went to was last Friday. Um, and yeah, until I got kind of drunk, I was just kind of doing a little two-step. Are there others, like, non, like, pre-TikTok, there were dances where everyone knew the moves to a certain dance, right? I mean, famously, what's the one in Soldier HK? Soldier Boy? Yeah. Uh, Superman. Soldier Boy, I tell him. Superman that hoe. Paul's just grinding on his microphone right now. <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, thriller. Oh, I do not know that dance. I'm seeing Paul do one part of it that I think everyone knows, but I don't know if I could do a full choreographed thing to it. Th- th- yeah, I-, I only know the two arms up to one side and then, like, claw down. <laughs> but I don't know if there are other, like, really, really big ones like that. How about when a song has instructions in it, you just not listen to the instructions when Get Low comes on? Are you, like, jumping up? You're like, wait, I didn't, what? Is that a song that you think has instructions? <laughs> get- <laughs> yeah, it literally told you to get low at one part. But it's not like, step to the left, step to the right. <laughs> yeah, but when it says get low, you're supposed to get low. No, but the shorty got low. You don't have to get low. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. You don't get low with the shorty? Sometimes I get low with the shorty, you know what I mean? All I'm saying is it sounds like you're honestly being a little bit misogynistic here. You're making her do all the work getting low, and you're just, just hanging out up there. What, are we generating electricity? <laughs> what kind of work are we <laughs> Frankly, it's a labor issue. She's doing all the mm. getting low. Do you have a signature dance move? Uh, yeah, I always raise the roof. No, of course not. <laughs> what, the- <laughs> what do you mean? You don't have something that you like just go to? Uh, an odd wobble. There was one guy at a concert I was at like last year. I don't know why this is still in my memory, but he clearly was like, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe not a bad dancer. He, he looked like a really hip, like 20 year old kid, like the white hair. Um, pretty tall, handsome, but- You're just describing an old man, what are you talking about? <laughs> he had the thing with the four tennis balls on the bottom of a cane. <laughs> you know, how the kids do. All the wrinkles. Uh, uh, Wheelchair. <laughs> no, dyed white, and it was curly, and, uh, oh my god. But he kept- it was very clear his go-to for not knowing what to do was the, like, in the- at the show, he kept, like, rocking back real far. Like, he, he was kind of doing, like, yeah. I don't know how That feels like an airplane issue where, like, you can't really lean your seat back too far. <laughs> he was in front of me. That's why it was very obvious. I was like, all right, I'll give him the space he needs to do his, uh... He looked like one of those punching bags as a kid that was, like, bottom-heavy that you would hit oh, and it comes yeah, back yeah. up. It kind of looked like he was doing that as his move. Okay, that's cool. It's a very, it's a very big move. He he was he was he, he was a big fan of Indigo D'Souza. I was there with a friend. I was gonna let him have his good time, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna be like, hey, don't hit me. Was there a lot of dancing at an Indigo D'Souza uh, show? It wasn't like dancey dancing, but it was like you know that was how he was moving to the beat. Was like big backwards. Mm. Were you sure he wasn't had head? He didn't have <laughs> headphones in. He's listening to Fat Joe's Lean Back. <laughs> He looked like he should have been a white member of Brockhampton, if that helps explain his style. Ooh, like a Matt Champion. Yeah. Or Joba. Well, I, was, I think the producer, like, what's his name? Something Bear? More like him, but... Oh, uh, okay. I, I see, I see, I see. Uh, Alright, any advice for this person who needs to learn TikTok dances? Uh, I feel like the whole point of TikTok dances is that they're easy to learn, right? Oh, is this like a download TikTok, just start reviewing some of the most popular dances, and... No, I would say YouTube compilation it. Oh, well, but if you download it while you're learning, you get to videotape yourself learning and uploading it. It might go viral in the process. I would say hire a coach. (laughs) 
that might even be a good gimmick. People might like that if like you're like you name your channel like learning to TikTok dance for this wedding. Mm-hmm. Also, can I just go ahead and say that if they're twenty something and getting married this year, maybe the dance you need to learn is the objection dance because that girl is too young to get married. I'll tell you what, you could be invited to an older person's wedding. What? She literally says, "My twenty something year old cousin." Oh. that's why she's worried about the TikTok dance. Got you. Okay, you're you're one of the you're doing a broad city like she's basically a child bride. Yeah, what is she? A child bride. Oh, so the thing I was saying before, though, is that, like, they're not particularly hard dances, right? That's the whole point, is that, like, pretty much most people can do them. Like, they're not doing that dance move where you, like, put your hand on your foot and, like, use it as, like, a little hoop that you, like, put your other leg through. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of that going on. Famously like, uh, the hardest dance move, if you ask any professional I mean, physically, it, like, in terms of, like, the actual ability or whatever. I mean, not, you know, you could go, like, obviously they're also not doing Jabberwocky shit where, like, ten people have to all be completely synced together or whatever. Uh, I think... Yeah, I don't think they're super hard, but I, I, I don't think you're going to get them if you don't know them. I think you got to spend, like, at least an hour on each dance and then probably, like, do them a couple times. Oh, so well, that was my them. advice. Is like, I'm not saying don't learn them. I'm yeah. saying that they shouldn't be that hard to learn. That's kind of what they're meant for, is that... Yeah, I guess that's fair. Them. I still don't know if I agree with the concept that anybody... That th- these dances are going to be that common. You think a 20-year-old's wedding is going to mostly have people just doing TikTok dances? Yeah. I'm assuming it's a TikTok wedding. <laughs> it's uh, tiktok themed oh uh, you think this is uh charlie d'amelio's wedding yeah and do you think she's gonna get caught lacking at charlie d'amelio's wedding that would be a very intimidating wedding to get invited to i would actually feel like this person i would have to learn the dances honestly the other thing that would really worry me is if it's like a very country 20 something year old and it's a lot of country dances because they always have a lot of like choreographed dances and if you too. fuck up you're messing everybody else up because you're all in like you're a messing grid. up the entire line yeah yeah and it's really obvious because it's just like you can see like, oh, that person isn't where everybody else is when you're watching the dance floor. Mm-hmm. How about those old timey dances in like uh in like Victorian movies where you're like swinging around with a girl like it like attached elbow to elbow and then you like let go of her to go to the next person elbow to elbow Ooh. with your like it couldn't be me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I would yeah. fuck that up so quick, man. Have you ever bumped into somebody at a on a dance floor? No, I don't. Well, I mean, lightly, I guess, but not like so bad that it's memorable. Mm, okay. Have you? Have you knocked somebody over? The worst thing that I ever did was at a concert that Drake did at Breakers in Columbia. At one point, I jumped during the song, and apparently, some guy who was taller than me thought it was a good idea to just like get a better view by just lurching over my entire body. So when I jumped, I hit his chin into his like mouth, and he got really mad about it. <laughs> Sounds like that guy was a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I mean, it only happens if he's, like, literally over my entire head. So, yeah, I didn't feel too bad about it. He got mad at you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. What did he say? How, how'd he get mad? Oh, no, it was nonverbal, because, like, we're in the middle of a song or whatever. So it was kind of like a him, like, pointing at his chin, being like, what'd you do? And I was like, folks, what am I supposed to do? Get out of the way. There was uh, one time at a the JPEG Mafia concert I went to last year where I was trying to get as close to the stage as possible and, like, some people walked off out of, like, standing in the front. So, like, they opened up a lot of space that I kind of, like, quickly filled in. And, it's so easy to do that as a single person. Uh, Yeah. And I was, like, I was purposefully moving alone because I was, like, I'm just going to, like, go for being as close as I can, leave by the people I came with. Um, I really want to be front row for when he asks people to say, fuck you, Peggy. And then I get a tap on my shoulder. And somebody's, like, hey, uh, you're blocking my view. 
now and i was like i was like god what a weird thing to say during a concert like everybody knows you're kind of all shuffling to get as far as you can for like but i was like okay i look back i see the guy's really short i'm like oh okay yeah my bad go ahead you can get in front of me if you want so he gets in front of me and then his friend who's taller than me taps me on my shoulder and says i'm with him and you also got in front of me and i was like no i'm sorry <laughs> i'm not you're not yeah. i'm not moving out of the way so you can get in front of me what Damn, a weird request he just kind of gave me a weird look, and I was like, yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you? Of course I'm not going to purposefully move so you can stand in front of me and block my view. You're taller than me. You know, this reminds me of, uh, I don't think, this, well, this episode will be released by the time this comes out, but in the um, gun segment that we had, where you're talking about how, like, I don't want to live in a concealed carry world where, like, anytime you get into a fight, someone could just have a gun. I feel like you're closer to getting into public <laughs> fights than I am on most on most bases. <laughs> you think so? It's not, like, a huge worry that I have. <laughs> Um, okay, do you want to read the answer? I feel like we didn't give a lot of helpful advice. Yeah, learn the dances. Or come up with your own better dances. I mean, these have been scientifically created on TikTok, Adrian. What's better than the dances that already exist? Yeah, if the algorithm loves it, it must be perfect. I agree. Alright. Michelle, let me share a story with you. In my recent history, I had a job during which all employees were asked, quite forcibly, to learn a TikTok dance to perform together during a Zoom meeting. The performance was a goodbye surprise for a coworker who was leaving for another job. Oh. So YMCA. I totally forgot that, uh, do you know that Phil and Patrick for a music video taught people to do a dance, uh, over Zoom? No. They released a song during quarantine called Look At Me, I'm Quarantined that had, like, a dance that went with it, and Phil asked me to contribute a video for it, and I did not. <laughs> I think that's a good move. I can send it to you afterwards. I think that's a good move for your brand to not release a video of you doing a, a coordinated dance. Yeah, for me, it was just me doing like a little like two step, you know, and then I was hitting it from the back with the knee brace on. The performance was a goodbye surprise for a coworker who was leaving for another job. Some of my coworkers were young, but almost all of them were millennial or older. Many were married. Some were mothers. Mothers, Michelle. I think it's important to note that all of my coworkers were women. You can answer for yourself whether or not you think this humiliation would have been asked of other genders. Something else worth noting, just so you can have the full scope of the psychological damage inflicted, is that this was happening in April of the year of our Lord, 2020. I, age 32 at the time, looked at a YouTube tutorial for this TikTok dance, but the small amount of dignity I possess kept me from attempting to learn it. Instead, during the performance element of the Zoom, I just moved my hands around a little. I don't think anyone noticed, as I imagine they were all too busy hoping no one was noticing them. Hearing the song, Doja Cat Say So, ooh, that is a good dance song, at the grocery store or on the radio gives me the shame PTSD to this day. That Zoom screen, Michelle, it was not a pretty sight. I understand not wanting to seem out of touch or like an anti-fun stick in the mud at the wedding. While all of the young people around you is doing the weird little mechanical dance they know from their phone, but Michelle... I have to come down pretty forcefully on this one. TikTok and the dances that happen therein are none of our business. Please do not attempt to learn these dances. Stop dancing while I'm doing this. It's very Why? distracting. <laughs> I'm going to turn the brightness down on my computer if you don't stop. God damn it. You, I, have a, I have a song in my heart and a dance on my feet, and you just won't let me show it. What's the song in your heart? I got high, high hopes for a living. I was curious whether choreographed TikTok dances were really a thing a Zoomer at Zoomer weddings, and there are some postings online that led me to believe that they might be. 
uh, a linked article, Top 50 TikTok Songs to Play at Your Event. I don't know that for a fact that TikTok dances at this event will happen, but they might. So we may have to prepare for the worst, while hoping for the best. In parentheses, ABBA. So, let's think it through. Now, unlike me in that Zoom, I do not think it would be wise for you to even attempt to seem like you're familiar with these dances if and when they arise. No one wants to scan the crowd and accidentally catch old cousin Michelle, my apologies, doing the dance wrong. Even old cousin Michelle, my apologies, doing the dance right would, I think, seem a bit off. Here is what I think you should do instead. Just dance the way you want to dance. Luckily, from what I've seen, most of these TikTok dances are not particularly beautiful or even fun-looking. Most of them are like if cheerleaders were only allowed to move their arms, or if the American Ballet Theater in Boston Dynamics joined force to create a robot dancer that could be used in a wartime scenario. They are as if an entire style of dance was based on the Macarena. You are not missing out on anything. I do believe, like the Macarena, these dances will seem embarrassing in the not-too-distant future. If you're finding this hard to believe, just imagine the contempt Gen Z has for the millennial generation. Now imagine the contempt the generation after Gen Z will have for Gen Z. Now imagine what the generation will think of TikTok dances. Cringe, as I believe Gen Z at least used to say. So Michelle, dance like no one is watching, or alternatively, like everyone is watching but only to make sure that you were not attempting to do the dances from the TikTok that you learned on the purpose for the purpose of this wedding. Again, they are none of your business. They are none of my business. I hope we never think about them again. I hope this information is freeing. Love, Kelly. Man, this question and answer, they seem so scared that somebody's going to sink their cringe for their dancing. Like, I was also looking forward to a better answer from Kelly. I think that was kind of a... um. First of all, okay, my thoughts. One, I didn't realize that the article is going to be top 50 TikTok songs to play at your event. That's too many to learn. That's <laughs> At that point, just don't dance during the wedding, I guess. Um, but also, like, what a... What's the best way to put this? Um, it, it reads like someone who's an art critic critiquing art from the 1600s when they were an artist from the 1500s just like this this mechanical like it looks almost as if like it was made for wartime like it's only using your upper body none of these are particularly beautiful or have any artistic value and i kind of get that like that's probably how most people feel about tiktok dances but it just feels so smug i know right okay i'm glad you got the same energy i did like i don't i don't i've never done a tiktok dance i don't really have any particular interest in learning but i don't know this person sounded like a real buzzkill <laughs> yeah uh and i i don't on top of sounding like a buzzkill i do feel like they sounded really weirdly insecure about not being with it like if i can't mm-hmm. be with it and know the tiktok dances i need to be better than that how did you feel about the whole thing about the workplace scenario oh yeah no i agreed with that 100 percent. that's horrible never ask anybody to do any shit like that it's oh god dude it's I, it blows my mind some people like that type of stuff why why is this uh, it's always talking about the one percent you know i don't like the one percent who makes some highest income and has the most uh all the wealth in this country but i also don't like the one percent of people who like really lame things and think they're fun and force them on the 99 percent of people who don't want to do that type of bullshit mm. the one percent of corny people man they're ruining it for the rest of us Making us try to do TikTok dances on a Zoom for Karen's virtual going away celebration. Um, also, I just sent you the uh, Buster Cups video. I looked it up on YouTube. Apparently, it is their most uh, viewed video. So apparently, the dances work. But uh, I don't know. Anyways. Uh, yeah, you ready for your call? So we're bringing in a Dear Abby column. 
posted to theday.com. Dear Abby, I'm a middle-aged married man and the father of two. Although I work as a banker, I'm also an aspiring pianist. I have practiced two to three hours a day for many years. My music is unique and unlike anything ever heard. My wife of 18 years does not appreciate my music. She never comments on it, never pays a compliment, and never supports me about it. I do receive praise from my transcriber, my recording editor, my audio engineer, strangers, friends, my parents, and my eight-year-old daughter. I'm tempted to call our marriage quits, but divorce, as we all know, is messy, and she's a good mother and homemaker. Something else that makes me want to leave is that I'm good with the ladies, and in the past I've had more than my share of female companionship. The combination of a wife who doesn't appreciate my art and the temptation of once again being the stud I was after a minor makeover and some weight loss, <laughs> and, re- <laughs> and resuming those wonderful adventures is enough incentive for me to end my marriage. Once my music starts hitting streaming platforms, I expect great things, but since my wife is indifferent to my artistic pursuit, I'm conflicted about whether I should remain married to her or risk a lot by getting a divorce. Please help me make the right decision. This guy sounds cool. <laughs> what a doozy of a question. There's like four different things going on here. I'm more focused on the thing of him being like, if I lose a little bit of weight, get a little haircut, <laughs> I can be banging everybody. That's one for me. Two for me is wanting to stay with somebody because they're a good mother and homemaker. Yeah. Like, shut the fuck off. Jesus Christ. Like, this woman deserves better, not him. She does free labor for me. She's kind of a servant, which is a sweet she's deal a when you think servant. about it. Like, she's doing all right. Have you seen that TikTok that got popular recently where it's the uh, really, like, trad fash couple? No. Oh, so it's, uh, like, a mom and a dad, and the TikTok that they're showing, the TikTok that they're showing is, like, the caption is, like, from an early age we train our girls to be good homemakers and so it's two his two very young daughters like doing everything for the dad like taking his plate washing it bringing him beers or whatever like it's just that kind of bullshit oh that's really sad yeah it's so disgusting yeah that's what it makes me think of is like this guy would be totally on board with that they're like doing they're like sweeping the kitchen and shit like anyways um this guy seems a little bit dumber than realizing that he's a fascist Plus, he's got a song in his heart. He's got art he needs to show the world. Okay, now we get to the piano. The piano is almost third tier for me. That's like a whole, like, I do love this mystery of, like, my music is unlike anything that's ever been heard. Also, most things that we're going to, like, enjoy that sound catchy and good are going to be... Things sound catchy because they remind us of things we've already heard, so we kind of can anticipate what's happening. That's most things that are, like, bops, you know? That's what hits Uh, your pleasure centers? Yeah, it's yeah. things that you've been exposed to before that, like, your pattern recognition sort of, ma- like, latches onto. Mm-hmm. Outsider music can be good, but it's, like, usually gonna sound like noise music or something a little bit more abrasive because we're not used to it. It could become something that does sound catchy. It's yeah. not going to on first listen. Like, it's just kind of a fact of life that if you're not used to something, it's gonna sound a little bit tougher and harder to get into. Yeah, dude, I'm full of references today, but I watched um, Injury Reserves uh, set from uh, Pitchfork Festival last summer. Mm-hmm. Man, just it's, it's just like a wall of sound. It's from their latest album, which I didn't really enjoy. And man, yeah. it was hard to watch the crowd just like not get any reaction to like what they were doing. Like, yeah, it, it was it was 
incomprehensible, really. But yeah, what what kind of what kind of piano music do you think this guy is making? How do you think he's tickling the ivories in a way that <laughs> is making something completely new? That that's what's crazy. If you're a complete amateur and you're first, I feel like we've talked about it on the pod before. But you don't break boundaries before you've mm. really hit home. The, you have like, to learn basic. the rules before you break the rules. This guy being like, I'm already different than anything you've ever heard before really makes it sound like his music probably sucks. Yeah. I don't think this guy is like, he's not like the shags where in 50 years people are going to be like, oh my god, we just didn't understand at the time. Were the shags the ones who were abused? I think so, yeah, the sisters. Yeah. Oof. Who started the band. I think this guy needs more abuse. I think they deserve less <laughs> abuse, he deserves more abuse. Can we start an abuse trading program? I know, right? Um, okay, so wait, we've gotten the three levels of this, right? Have we talked about the first level enough? The, uh, he could totally be banging anybody he wanted if he left his marriage? Wait, it was lose a little bit of weight. What else does he need to do to a get A minor makeover. They need to take his glasses off and put his hair down. <laughs> yeah, what does a minor makeover mean for this man? <laughs> you know, sometimes you let a couple things go awry once you get married. Didn't wow. always trim his belly hair as much as he could have. Okay, okay, he needs to trim his belly hair. I assume he... I assume he let his nails get too long. At, like, mm-hmm. he's got to clean. He all needs a stigma. stylish haircut. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we went two very different directions. It's not that kind of podcast. I was like, he needs an undercut, and you were like, his dick is dirty. He's got a smelly dick. He's <laughs> <laughs> probably stuff like that. Mm. Maybe like fashion stuff. He's got to figure out what the ladies, what the TikTokers are wearing now. Back when he was a popular guy with the ladies, I like it. Like he, he's still trying to wear a leather jacket. Like he's trying to do some like eighties cool guy shit, like a Fonz type thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going up to a touch tunes and trying to elbow it really hard, and it won't work. It's he doesn't understand that it's digital. <laughs> All right, second level. Second level was about oh, we talked enough about him being a misogynist. Third um... level was the music. Fourth level. About how everybody else in his life who would, he's either paying or are his mommy and daddy or his daughter think mm-hmm. his music rocks. And my eight-year-old daughter thinks it's good. That's a pretty glowing endorsement. What is a, a transcriber for a pianist? Is, like, he just plays the music and then they write down the sheet music? Or what does yeah. that mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that's why his wife doesn't like it. It sounds like he's spending a lot of money. He has three people on staff. And he's spending like, two to three hours a day on it. While she cooks and cleans, while she does all the homemaking. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if he does leave his wife the type of horrible, like, 20-year-old he's going to rope into his life to start dating who tells him that his music is good? And be oh, like, yeah. yeah, my bitch ex-wife didn't like my music. It's just going to be the dumbest that's 20-year-old blonde exactly with a completely empty brain. Gonna <laughs> it's going to be a 20-year-old like, who just broke up with her boyfriend who's like, now I'm with an older guy and he's making the most innovative music. <laughs> He's going to get with somebody who just compliments him. Dude, the uh, thing about hitting streaming platforms, I really want to hear his music. I really, I don't know when this was submitted, but like, I need to hear this music. Oh, this year. Sheesh. This was very recent. This was uh, November of 2022. Mm. He's, the confidence is incredible. Once my music starts hitting streaming platforms, I expect great things. The world will never be the same. That feels like a, uh, it's always sunny cold open. Yeah, I think it's gonna be like, when my music comes out, it'll change the world, and then it'll be, piano guy doesn't change the world. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he should divorce his wife, though? That's the question he's asking. 
Yeah, for the sake of his wife. Yeah, probably right. I say divorce him and marry Tim Meadows. I'm worried for this daughter because she's eight, so she likes his music now, but what about when she gets old enough to realize it's shit? He's gonna be like, can I get rid of my daughter? Can I get another daughter? She's gonna teenage backlash, right? She's gonna just want to get really into, uh, I don't know, something that's not just instrumental piano. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that he thinks instrumental piano, he thinks that's gonna take streaming by storm in 2022. He'd be like a John Legend. He could marry Chrissy Teigen. His daughter's like, Daddy, I don't like that new song. It's just like his search history a day later. It's like, how does sell daughter get to orphanage? Well, at that point, divorce and then, you know, let the, uh, since, you know, courts are so biased against men, I'm sure that the uh, mother will get full custody. That's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, divorce the right? wife. Where my dudes at? Where my boys at? Where my dudes at? Paul, could you be with somebody who doesn't love this podcast as pure art in its highest form? Nah, man, come on. Really? I'll just have to question where they are in life that they need to hurt me to make themselves feel better. I mean, I think my only issue is if someone doesn't like this podcast, they're probably more like a Joe Rogan person. And like, that's my issue. (laughs) But like, not because they don't like our podcast. Do you think part of this is that he's worried he's going to make it big as an artist? So he wants to get the divorce before she tries to take all his money when he, when he has all those millions. That's a good point. You know all those teeny boppers are going to be listening to his piano music on Spotify? Mm-hmm. It, it's also a good look to divorce your wife before you got famous, before you get famous, right? Yeah, so people don't say that you just got the divorce because now you have more options. Yeah. What do you think is cool about his music? Do you think he just plays the Black Keys? <laughs> That's what's innovative about it. Mm-hmm. What makes his music unique is that he doesn't play any of the traditional chords. He came up with his own ones. Mm. He changes time signatures after every chord. You don't really change time signatures <laughs> after a chord. Maybe a bar? Or maybe like a... Okay. Nope. This is true outsider art. <laughs> okay. He plays with his feet. He's the Daniel Johnston of uh, piano. Do you think the part... Uh, of his outsider art is that he also doesn't know how to do vocals and he does kind of like just a yelling screaming vocal <laughs> so he's just like alright do you want to hear Abby's answer yeah it's time for some self reflection are you simply unhappy in your marriage and using your music and past track record with the ladies as an excuse to leave my suggestion is that you postpone dynamiting your marriage until after you have a few musical hits under your belt. If you are as gifted as you proclaim, your circumstances may change for the better. But if they don't, you might be better off sticking to your day job and keeping music as a beloved hobby. As to kicking over the traces and becoming a stud again, after the minor makeover and some weight loss, perhaps you should be careful what you wish for. There are worse flaws in a spouse than lack of music appreciation. In this environment, there's no telling who or what you could pick up, which is why I'm advising you to stand pat. Dear Abby's answer was that you should wait to see if your music blows up so that you could get with a hotter lady before breaking up with your wife. Did I ever tell you about the time where for Christmas, I asked my dad for a guitar and he told me, I'm going to go to the flea market. I'm going to buy the cheapest guitar I can find. But if you learn how to proficiently play guitar, I will buy whatever guitar you want after that. 
I think oh, she she's is like making, a starter wife. I no, I think she's making the point that like I don't believe you're gonna go anywhere, and so I'm gonna just give you the like seed of like, hey, once you're famous, leave her and go to whatever wife you want. You're not gonna get famous though. <laughs> I think that's what Abby's saying. That's generous of you. I think it's still irresponsible of Abby to be like, that's, that's a normal way for people to behave. That's not evil. Do you really think Abby like thinks like, oh, this guy's gonna get big, and if he does, he deserves a better wife? No, but I think she has a responsibility. Because there are people who are reading oh, this answer that will, get, okay. that will get famous in life. I mean, I think we were correct that you should do it before you get famous. I think we gave better advice there. This is why dear Abby is washed. I feel like that can only be read in tongue-in-cheek, but I don't know, if you think differently. Um, alright, do you want to go into the third segment, or is there any more you want to say about that? No, that's about it. I think those are both pretty good creative endeavors. Yeah. But do you think your article's TikTok dance queen and my article's piano-playing savant are going to match up to our beautiful baby boy Phil's new podcast as far as the artistic endeavors? Absolutely not. Paul, uh, Phil's about to take the world by storm. We're trying to get in at the ground floor. We're trying to we're trying to put in that we knew about this podcast early on. So when he makes it, we we get a little bit of credit. Mm-hmm. Trying to take a little bit of that shine for ourselves. I'm trying to see if I can find. Um, Phil sent me his uh, original draft of the uh, of his theme song for his podcast. So I was wondering if we could try and put that into the episode. But uh... ooh, the theme song for a show about music has to be pretty good. I know, right? Uh, but do you have any other thoughts about Phil starting a uh, podcast? Yeah, let's uh, catch people up. Our friend Phil is starting a podcast, his own podcast, kind of derivative mm-hmm. of the time we started a podcast. I would say so. But he's starting a podcast where he's going to have on a guest every week, and they're going to write a rap song about one of their enemies. Like, uh, they're going to write a rap diss. Phil's going to help guide them through writing the disc are they gonna perform it at the end of this like at the end of the episode yeah i think so is that part of it yeah phil or the uh or the person who wrote the song has to perform it i think the person who the person so he helps them write it um, and then they perform it and then they perform it yeah and i think that's the way it goes does phil so help them this pick first a episode will be wayne cousins performing a song okay so this is us taking a shot. This is an advice podcast about advice columns, and we're giving our friend Phil some advice. Yeah, which you've done before. Yeah. He's used to it. He's used to it. I think he took it too seriously last time. What was the advice we gave him last time? About him changing his name. <laughs> and our advice was, so many things matter more. <laughs> so, Adrian, how do you feel about starting a podcast? What would you tell young Adrian? If he could go back two years, what would you tell yourself? Ooh... I would say that it's really important to find a good co-host. Mm, man, that's me. Which I did. Oh, Wait, come on now. <laughs> come on. Come on now. That was um, a roller coaster of a sentence for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I would say equipment's important. Have a good mic. Uh, editing skills are pretty easy to learn. Don't worry too much about that. You'll get it pretty soon. Use Audacity. It's free basically does everything it's so easy to learn that like it literally Mm -hmm. feels like a kid's program do some pilot episodes man like the original idea for this podcast is that we each brought in two columns can you imagine if that was still our fucking (laughs) thing at this point we should bring it in one column (laughs) we're going so long um i know from experience of doing the podcast this long don't get too drunk during episodes (laughs) 
Don't get too drunk. That is actually probably my number one piece of advice. My number two piece of advice is don't stay too sober. Yeah, that's true. So there's a good balance for it. And even if it's a hobby and it's just a ha-ha way to spend a Sunday, you know, you can spend your editing part of your Sunday a little bit more drunk. But like, keep it keep it at a reasonable level while you're recording and giving uh, opinions about things that people are going to take seriously, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, other advice for podcasts, uh, have your more uh, wealthy co-host uh, send you a mic that you can use. <laughs> Um, don't call me wealthy you piece of shit that makes me sound like <laughs> what does that mean it's a good thing i have a job unlike you still in school ass motherfucker i i have a job that is anti-union language to say that <laughs> what we do is not a job one of my pieces of advice you always have to have a yin to your yang so adrian's pro-union i have to be anti-union it makes the mm-hmm. podcast more interesting and dynamic yeah i'm more of a sue yin from avatar and you're more of an andrew yang yeah exactly mm-hmm Andrew Yang is anti-union, so that fits. Yeah. Hey, he just wants to go forward. He doesn't want to worry about all this, like, business stuff. (laughs) Not left, not right, forward. Oh, also, my advice to Phil, don't do political opinions on your podcast. Maybe just keep it, like... Yeah. You don't need to be like our podcast where people describe it as weirdly political. (laughs) I, you know, which is weird because I feel like I always try to cut out something political, but I guess enough stays in there. But every time we do get into politics a little bit i'm like that's the least funny part of the episode why did i let us talk about that yeah well also i think people are just i think we've said it before like with the jk rowling thing like telling people that i don't personally think people should play it is a way more political statement than what 90 percent of the country would think is a political statement that's true i I also do forget that we live in like a different ether so sometimes we just talk about something like not thinking that jk rowling is cool which seems yeah. obvious to me and you but like to a lot of people that seems like an overtly political statement what, what, what? <laughs> joanne <laughs> not not mommy joanne i love her she's want bathroom to be safe she didn't want bathroom to be safe i mean that game looks so fun what are you asking me to play a different game uh-uh. Um. Other advice for a podcast, you know, Phil has to create a new dynamic in every single episode, and that seems quite challenging. Yeah. So my advice, my advice is for the audience, and that is give him some room to grow, give him some room to make mistakes, give him some room to iron out kinks. His podcast definitely takes a lot more, like we really came up with a format that allowed me and you to play off each other every week. He has Mm -hmm. to find content and having a producer come to his place you know like he has to find a guest that guest and his producer have to coordinate taking time to come to his house to record Mm -hmm. so i think my advice to phil would be maybe i don't know how often he's planning to record and release an episode but give yourself a more forgiving schedule because yeah even for us our schedule is very unforgiving and the only thing we need is me and you to be in a room for two hours and it mm-hmm. still sometimes becomes hard to coordinate. I, mean, I can't imagine thing... that his coordination, how difficult that's going to be. Like once a week early on, it's just not going to be possible. Yeah, I think the important thing to remember there is that um, it's about being consistent, not about being incredibly prolific. Yeah. So even if your release schedule is at the last Friday of every month, people will learn the last Friday of every month. Just don't overpromise and be like, we're going to release an episode every week once we start releasing Let's see, he has to find people, so he has to find interesting people every single week, which is hard. Um, oh, the inside baseball that I know, because I asked him specifically about this, is that he does not know anything going in. So it's a fully improvised, he doesn't ask them beforehand, who are you going to write a diss song against? Uh, 
let me go ahead and like research stuff and find out some stuff I can make bars about. So, uh, fully improvised. Gives them an angle to be like, this is somewhat educational, like sees the inside process. Might be interesting from both like comedic standpoint and like, oh, like here's how somebody writes a song. You don't think it's going to be more educational for like, here's how you hack into someone's database to figure out what their mom did when she was 15 or something to use that in a rap battle? <laughs> oh, how to do the research for a rap battle. Here's how battle. I figure out like what they did in high school that was embarrassing. <laughs> here's how I contact all of their friends on Facebook from high school to figure out what was the most embarrassing thing they did. Yeah, Phil really does need like a Nardwar style producer where he, he can quickly get really oddly specific dirt on a person. <laughs> how did you know that? I have to know. You're Wayne from the Columbia comedy scene. <laughs> You, Adrian, had such a good Nardwar in his back pocket. Is that actually good? I didn't know. It was good good for me. (laughs) (laughs) I've never watched a full one of his videos. Uh, Give yourself time to edit. Especially if you have a 9 to 5 like Phil does. Well, give your editor time to edit in Phil's case. Oh, I think. Oh, yeah. I guess editing the audio is the same as editing the video at that point. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Good for him. Even if you're going to release just on YouTube, I feel like you should also get an RSS and release to podcast apps. YouTube has a massive audience, but I don't know why you wouldn't also release it as an actual podcast podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, my other piece of advice is don't get too sexual. You're not that kind of podcast. Don't get too sexual. Don't release a Valentine's Day episode where Paul starts talking about his obsession with anal. I actually got feedback on that episode that people really liked the description. Oh, yeah, because it's one of those, like, copy and paste things. Yeah. People love those, yeah. The other thing I would suggest is don't schedule a podcast for Super Bowl Sunday, because your co-worker will call you up as a joke and say, I gotta watch the Super Bowl. Hey. Can't record today, last You know minute. people in my life were asking me to put on, if people know me as the best host ever, Adrian, people were begging, they were like, Paul, 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 host a Super Bowl party. Should we do a spoiler of who won the Super Bowl? Oh, who won? <laughs> Two weeks later, oh, spoiler. We're uh, we're actually not even halfway through the game, but the Eagles are up by seven. Shouldn't we have more advice for podcasting as having done this for two years? We're not experts by any means, but I guess we're going to get into really technical advice. Um, Send the initial audio as a WAV, but once you've done enough editing, you can send it as an MP3 and it'll be fine. You won't lose too much quality. Um, Clap at the beginning if you're doing a remote podcast to sync the audio. You don't have to worry about that because you're going to have your guests in person. Well, do you have to do that for like multiple mics though? Because they might not be out of the same recording channel. I assume it sounded like you had a professional enough setup that I'm sure it's uh, all on a mixer. So mm. it's going to be synced. I don't think it is. Oh, really? It's like multiple USB mics? Then you might need to clap. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Just have fun with it, man. Remember. Just have fun with it. That's what it's all about. If this wasn't fun, we wouldn't keep doing it. Honestly, something I look forward to is having a nice conversation with Adrian every Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Mondays, sometimes Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays. Yeah. Be flexible. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's why I do yoga. Come on now, Paul. You know that's not what I meant. Part of being a good podcaster is keeping in shape. So just make sure whatever it is, you know, whether you go to the garage and lift some weights or do yoga or go for a daily run. You got to be in shape, Phil, if you want to be a great podcaster. Mm-hmm. You got to keep your body in shape Whether so that your mind stays in shape. Intramural indoor soccer or doing yoga. Was that your big fact? Yeah, my big fact was just have fun with it, man. Come on. My no cap is, um, you know, you get to edit it. So make sure you don't say anything that's going to cancel you on the published 
uh, record. Oh, and actually, I'm going to do a second big fact. Phil, you have opportunities to do real, like, uh, co-branded media. So once you get big enough, you can do, like, a full episode for, like, a product where you diss their competitor's product. Where you can do, like, a full episode for Ridge Wallet where you're like, leather wallets ain't shit. I was going to say, like, Toaster Strudel Pop-Tart. I know they've had beef in the the past. You can do, like, a full episode for Burger King dissing McDonald's, you know? Actually, that's kind of a cool idea. Is like, if he runs out of real people to use, like, start getting people in as characters to do stuff like that. <laughs> the character to come in as the Burger King? Yeah, yeah, I'm the Burger King. <laughs> I'm in the Disney Wait, why is that his accent? Where's that from? <laughs> I am the Burger King. I am the Burger King. This Ronald McDonald, he always come to my castle. He make why a would- fool of me. Why would I speak like an American? American has no kings. That's kind of the basis of the whole project. <laughs> I'm French. <laughs> Where they had kings. Ronald McDonald, his whole, his whole existence spit in my face. That's what they think. I, I eat the, I eat the hamburger and they go, that's not good. And then you have to rap in that voice too. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I don't care about, Mickey D's. <laughs> <laughs> that fried their potatoes and even got them chicken fries. <laughs> um, yeah, do that too. Uh, my second no cap. I feel like I had one. I don't remember what it's gonna be. Uh, play into your strengths and find good people. Don't feel obligated to bring in people on the podcast that you don't think would actually make for good content. Play to your strengths. So make sure to find a way to do a backflip on pod. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to squabble or settle conflicts by going back and forth with petty comments. So I was thinking maybe it's best if I just put it into all this extra talking. Let's just drop it. Let's just drop it. I'm not saying that the topic, but instead I got it. This record dropping. This record's dropping. You must be dreaming if you think speaking together solves it. Let's just drop it. Let's just drop it.